I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast, where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger, and we ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and with me, of course, as always, is Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Hello, David. How's it going? Oh, doing well. How are you? I'm feeling pretty cowabunga, dude. <laughs> You're feeling mm. radical? I'm feeling, I'm feeling too beetle. To what are they turtle? I'm feeling turtle power. Uh, you were gonna say tubular. I'm just trying. I was gonna say tubular. Um, yes, Nick. These words will make you all the catchphrases. What was that? This these words will make you hip with the with the kids today, specifically in 2021. (laughs) That's right. Uh, They love saying tubular. What were some other words? Tubular, uh, bodacious, bodacious. Yeah. there's like one on the tip of my tongue that I can't remember, so we won't waste time. But but I just remember Farts. all these catchphrases that still weren't good, weren't relevant anymore when we were children, but still tickled me to to say probably unironically for a long time. I mean, I will say the turtles have probably kept radical being a relevant word to all of us, and that's right. We are talking Ninja Turtles again. This is their second appearance on the show, but this time we're going to be talking one of the movies now. Feel obligated to point out in case you don't normally listen to every episode, you might miss that on the tens. Uh, we don't have a guest; it's just Nick and myself. So that's what's happening now. It was my pick, and I picked Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two: The Secret of the Ooze. I gotta admit, I'm a little sad that you didn't bring Phil Root in for this one, <laughs> just because he had such a passionate history with the previous Turtles subject. Yeah, um, I I was I was gonna mention Phil, and I I should have found a way to rope him into this. Um, but I, I, you know, when we discussed the third movie, which is the real stinker of the of the bunch, that's take that I'll... back. <laughs> take it back. No. Take it back. No. <laughs> anyway. This 1991 film follows the Ninja Turtles after the events of the first film. The secret of the Turtles' origins are revealed at the same time that their nemesis, Shredder, returns. And, uh, of course, Vanilla Ice is in here, too, which, uh, I mean, how can we not talk about that? But before we get to any of that, we have to discuss our own personal histories with the topic. Since I brought it here, I will be starting us off. I just, I love the Turtles growing up. Uh, you know, love the cartoon like so, so many of us did. And I, I was really into the movies when I was younger, but I didn't have any like really distinct memory with any of them. A little bit more the third one because it came out when I was a little bit older and had more brain capacity for memory. Uh, and you loved it, right? You love the third one. And the this video. one, specifically the second one that we're talking about in this episode, uh, the reason that I'm bringing it up is because now Nick and I, as we've mentioned before, we met originally on an internet message board way back when, when that was a thing that you did. And there was another guy on there that I, because Nick and I weren't very friendly or very close on the board then. Like we had exchanges, but we weren't really friends until after, till the board died. But there was another guy that I had been friends with who, Nick, do you remember the, the username Crazy Boy? I don't actually. Yeah. Well, his, his real name, I won't give his 
real uh, last name. We're not in in touch anymore. So I don't. I've, there's no way of finding him as far as I know. But his name is is Nathan, and he was really into this movie and would constantly like quote it and had all these jokes from it. And that prompted me to like watch it more when I was around, you know, 13 to 14 years old uh, that I mm-hmm. had this thing to like relate with, with my, with my friend. And so that's more why I wanted to come back to it. Cause I know there's other podcasts, like how did this get made? Did an episode about this and just how wacky and weird this movie is. And I know there's some weird stuff too with like, they can't use any of their weapons. So I really wanted to watch it fully now as an adult and and see how it hit me. So that's that's how it came to the show here today. But Nick, what about you? You seem to have a lot of thoughts and opinions on the movies. So tell us uh, your history with You know, this. the thing with Ninja Turtles is that it's it's really kind of like I feel like sometimes on the show when we've like discussed like our histories and stuff, it's either like I have no idea or like here's like this really poignant childhood memory that's like attached to it and how it like taught me how to be a man or something like that. And with Ninja Turtles, it's just more like it was there. And I'm not saying that as a criticism, just that like I, I watched the cartoon uh, and I loved it. Uh, I watched these movies and I loved it and I love them. Um, and I mean, like, as I got older, like I kind of draw, I never read the comic books, even the, the new, both the old, the original and the newer ones that have been coming out from IDW for a while now. Um, so I've more or less have fallen off the turtle bandwagon, but it was definitely an, an omnipresent, not omnipresent, but at very least present staple of my childhood. Um, so it was, uh, I, I was not against having to revisit this movie because it has been a long time since I saw it. Uh, and yes, David, I do have thoughts. Also, everyone knows that the third film is the best film. No, it's not. Like, what? no, there's time travel involved. <laughs> I love time travel. Okay, well, maybe you can pick that one sometime. Then I actually don't have very distinct memories of it. Uh, more that that I did of this one. I don't. This is the only one because I watched it more when I was like 13, 14 that I have real, real memories of. I have not watched the other ones uh, in, but I've seen like the, the memes cause there's like the frightening turtle head shot from the first movie where you can see the eyes of the performer. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's terrifying, but that's a little bit of our histories with the topic. Nick, what about the world's history? The world's history, David. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the secret of the ooze is the follow up feature film to the massively successful first installment referred to as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, obviously, but let's rewind a bit. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles originated as a comic book in the 1980s from creators Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. That's yes. what I'm going with. It's Laird. The original Laird. The original comic was much darker than the resulting feature films, which were geared toward children. Before the movies, the turtle launched a successful animated show, television show from 1987 to 1996. Some fun facts. Uh, the turtles were not originally color-coded. Uh, also, they were originally intended as a parody for popular comics of the era, such as Marvel's Daredevil and New Mutants' Dave Sims' Cerebus and Frank Miller's Ronin. Uh, the sequence uh, where... And saying Ronin honestly makes me think of that Star Trek episode. Oh, where yeah, Ronin with, with the ghost sex candle? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the sequence where the turtles were turned from regular turtles into mutant teenagers actually references Daredevil's origin, wherein he saves a blind man from being hit by a truck carrying chemical waste. In the turtles universe, the waste leaks into the sewers, which is how they are transformed. Thanks, Daredevil. Um, 
Since the heydays of the early 90s, the Turtles have remained popular with multiple animated series, a live-action reboot duology, and tons of merchandise later. Merchandising. Yeah, this is a... That's like 90% of it, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's what these are. Well, originally the Turtles were not that. Originally they were a comic book. And, uh, and, but then they became this media enterprise with these right. cool turtle dudes. And on the, the wiki, it was saying that Kevin and Peter, I'm referring to them by their first names now because we're right, chill. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, they apparently, they, were, they used like a tax return money and uh, I think like a loan from one of their dads. And like, that's kind of how they were able to fund like the creation of this comic. So you, you kind of go from like really humble beginnings and then suddenly you're like a presumably multi-million at least dollar empire. Um, and that's... Um, that's, uh, I'm wondering what I'm going to do with my uh, tax return this year. Maybe I'll launch a multimedia empire with it. Well, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then we'll talk about the sequel to your massively successful movie. Because that's one thing that shocked me when I learned about the first Ninja Turtles movie. And we will talk about the second Ninja Turtles movie uh, here soon. But the first movie was, was one of the most successful independent films of all time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it was it was huge. And then, like in the second one, it was much more mainstream, uh, which is when they were then like, "Hey, so the first film was pretty violent. This is obviously a kids' movie, so your turtles can't use their weapons." And boy, is that painfully obvious. It's interesting because rewatching it, I I don't know if I fully like caught on that that was the case. Like I know they would pull out the weapons, um, but then but then never use them. But I, I never paid attention to the fact that they weren't using it. I must have been like channeling the first movie because I, I do remember them using it there. Um, admittedly, like for the film, for I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s now. So like I'm not the target demographic for this film anymore. But it didn't bother me both presumably as a child that I wouldn't have paid attention to that. And also as an adult, it just uh, maybe for some people it would have been important. But for me, it was not. But there's a couple of just real comical moments with it, like the fight in the the mall at the very beginning, which I think is where it's the most glaring, because they like all pull their weapons out and they have them, but then they don't use them or they use them in like weird ways. Like Leonardo sticks his his swords into the ceiling and then right. jump kicks at some guy. It's like, yeah, man, you know what else is effective? The swords that you're holding in your hand. That's right. So let's actually let's well because we're talking about the being let's rewind to the very beginning with the the intro of uh, the movie New York what, New York Pizza City just New York just New Yorkers eating pizza even on, apparently on fancy clothing dates I love, uh, I actually I, loved that as an opening <laughs> it's it's really good uh, and then it immediately transitions into casual body shaming by Kino mm-hmm. uh, who I feel like I really liked Kino. In the original, I mean, it was like he was me, the kid. Obviously, I know martial arts. Um, Wait, was Kino in the original? Sorry, not the original. I mean, when I was a, when I was watching this oh. original, he was the kid hanging out with the Ninja Turtles, and thus I was like, I want to be Kino. Right. Uh, but then I, but then like the basically Kino's first line of dialogue is body shaming uh, a woman uh, on the street that he he barely knew after tr- making advances on her, and then she rebuffs him. Which one of you lucky girls gets a ride with me tonight? Dream on, dweeb. Yeah, okay. But when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner. Uh, which I thought, when I say I thought that was funny, I mean, yeah, I think it was cruel, but also just like, I can't believe they opened the movie with that. 
Um, but also when he, when he gets, so he's delivering the pizza to April O'Neil's place, uh, unbeknownst to him that the turtles live there. And he, he sees in the alleyway, like the vans and piling stuff up. And I mean, weird stuff happens all the time. Right. But I mean, vans being loaded from a mall, presumably even after hours, isn't necessarily immediately suspicious. Like they could have been doing some kind of renovation or restocking or, or stocking or whatever. Uh, but yet he's just like, mm, I'm going to go check this out, even though I am not the police or, or, or anything like that. But thankfully he knows martial arts. Yeah, man. I don't have thoughts in the beginning about, you know, he, uh, yeah, he goes in, sees some guys wearing some pantyhose on, on a, their heads and he says you're under arrest like his reaction is not let me go call the cops it was like no no no, i got this and then he's he's gonna beat him up but then like 15 more guys show up and that's when the, the turtles have to come in and uh cause some chaos <laughs> no i was just gonna say i love when the the robbers are like are you a cop and he's standing there like a teen a teenager holding a pizza box <laughs> it's yeah. like oh, no he's like oh well I'm pizza delivery yeah, well, if, if he's a cop, you have to, he has to tell him like that's entrapment if he doesn't <laughs> if he doesn't say it. Right. Yeah, um, yeah that's a, a there. There's so many like little like especially in the opening. There's such like silly moments that have definitely been imprinted in my mind that like I think I I must think about just uh, random like uh, Donatello sort of like bouncing back. Oh and forth. yeah, him being the the thing, the, the, whatever the thing, the wacky inflatable tube man thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely think I, whenever I see one of those, I think I think of, I'm saying think a lot this time. Uh, I, I remember that scene. I'm, I'm with you. That's, a, that's one of those things that was imprinted in my mind as well. And one thing with the action sequences, because got got to talk about the fact that all the bad guys are so nice about waiting for the turtles to fight one guy at a time. It's like, okay, right? he's going to go. Okay. Oh, he got defeated. Okay. Now it's my turn. And then if I get defeated, there's like six more guys, but they're going to come at him one at a time. There's several times where there's like 15 foot guys standing around in, in a circle, just letting the turtles beat him down one by one. It's really generous. And honestly, it's unfortunate because they were re their kindness was repaid with probably a few of them being suffocated to death after the turtles leave them in a pile of bodies in the mall. Like, presumably those dudes are weighing like somewhere between like 160 and 200 pounds or more. And like, then there was, like you said, 15 of them. And now there's a pile of them on the ground and someone had to be on the bottom. Well, uh, yeah, the cops are on their way, you know, <laughs> try and get here in time. <laughs> they, uh, they, and they tied one guy from the roof, so he'll be fine. Yeah. 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 I gotta admit, uh, I never thought about this before. I, I don't think it's ever specified how much time has passed between the two films. Do you know? No, um, I mean, it seems it's been long enough that April O'Neil wants them out of there. So it could be the next day. It's true. I'm going with at the very least, possibly weeks. I mean, maybe it is more realistically days, but either way, Shredder sta stayed buried in a trash pile without eating or drinking, pres presumably. Oh, my God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And somehow, in my mind, he was there for weeks. Like they had just been at April O'Neil's house for a while, uh, and that he was just hanging out in a trash pile for that long. Yeah, one thing that is confusing with that is because they, when the foot are, are at their their backup base in the uh, in the the junkyard, which what I love is that it's not even like a secret underground junkyard base. Like they are in the middle of trash piles. 
and that right. is where they are operating. And one of the kids is like, this is our backup base where we're all supposed to meet. I just love that idea of the, like, the structure of like, okay, if the Foot Clan goes down, we're all going to meet here in this junkyard uh, between the pile of used diapers and rotting fruit. That's where you're going to find our new hideout. They are not a great terrorist organization. It's true. No, I love when they were recruiting kids in New York, anybody with martial arts experience, as, as if, like, that's just the thing that kids have that you put on your resume when you're trying to get a job at the Orange Julius at the mall. It's like, oh, I see you got martial arts skills. I'm sure someone has put their martial arts skills as, like, on their resume when applying for a completely unrelated job. Well, I'm sure, but like the way they're talking about it, it's like they're recruiting kids with martial arts skills. Like that's like a common thing. I knew very little people, despite what movies and and shows would tell you. I knew very little people in the '90s growing up that that did karate or had martial arts skills. <laughs> uh, it's it's true. It's it's kind of funny, like how sad the foot actually are. The foot is so pathetic <laughs> in this movie. It's so pathetic. Um, what was it? Okay, and then and then, and then moving on, they uh, Kino, who you don't see after the initial scene where he um, where the the turtles save him, and then he shows up again at April O'Neil's house with pizza, and he says something really creepy that I'm I'm trying to remember what it was, but basically it was like, uh, no, you didn't. Your neighbor ordered it, but they don't want it anymore. Or it was like, yeah, he was like, he's not there, so I thought I'd just bring it over to you, and then invites himself in. He, right in. He pushes like right past her and is like, right. well, allow me to put this this heavy pizza box down on your counter, madam. So you don't have <laughs> I don't, to he doesn't even make make any sort of overtures like that. He just is like, uh yeah. he's like making his creepy statement and then sort of slides behind by, past her. Well, um, yeah, which is funny because he's met the turtles, but he hasn't met her. Does he right. do we ever know why he figures out that the turtles the, the assumption is that because they stole the pizza and left him the money um, that was nearby, like in theory, like it's not that hard to figure out, right? Like he he's going to deliver pizza to April O'Neil. It's not clearly established prior to that scene that she's been ordering pizza a lot, um, but she was. And then they take the pizza and leave the money. Um, so I think he just sort of put that together and was suspicious that maybe something was going on there. Um, but it's still, it's not super clear in the film. So it still feels just like he's breaking into someone's house, um, and being a creep, I guess. And and does find the turtles who then immediately are like, well, I guess we have to sit you down and tell you our origin story. Which, which leads to one of my favorite, um, recurring things in the film, which is, um, so he met the turtles and like, he didn't pass out when he initially met them. And then, um, Splinter shows up and he passes out. He's too excited. And this happens not necessarily just not to Kino, but like to multiple people in the films, like they meet the turtles. It's like, Oh, cool costumes or whatever. Like it's sort of incredulous, but then Splinter gets showed up. And one time, even he just gets mentioned and the person hearing it faints. Well, Which, he's, a, he's a very imposing figure. I mean, he is a delightfully kind and wise rat. I'm, maybe it's the rat thing, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's the fact that it's a giant walking rat could be putting people off. But they do handle the turtles quite well. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, that, um, that's, we, I guess we just assume rats with being so dirty, but they're so clean. Do not believe the anti-rat propaganda. Right. 
April confirms it. She says that Splinter is the cleanest the out of all yeah, of them. True. Turtles are the dirty guys. That's true. Dirty boys. Something. Those um, turtles are some real dirty boys. <laughs> real nasty. Real nasty turtles. It's also funny, like as a in the movie, because it's such a private time. So there's there's great lines, uh, like remind me to drop a line to Ralph Nader, uh, <laughs> which is like, doesn't date the movie at heard, all. Can't remember last time I heard Ralph Nader's name. Um, and then, yeah, what else was there? There were. Um, go ahead. I don't have any cultural like cultural drop lines that I remember, but there were. Two lines that made me laugh that I think are, are legitimately funny. One is when uh, Toka and Razor and uh, Razor is that the other ones? Toka and Toka Razor. and Razor, yeah. Razor, yeah. Uh, Razor. What? Uh, what? Whatever. There. Uh, oh yeah. No, no. It's 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 Razor. It's R A H Z A R. Anyway, they're they're walking around town smashing things because uh, Splinter realizes they're babies. In, in a pretty funny scene, like they're babies, they're babies. Uh, but then decides like they need to go play outside, and there's a couple getting into a cab like down the street. Yep. Completely resigned reactions, like do not even care this is happening. Animals are knocking down the telephone poles. What do we do if they come over here? Let them get their own cab. I, I wrote that down too. Which that was, was funny. I love that idea of like New Yorkers are so unfazed by all of this going on that two horrific monsters trashing part of the street, they'd be like, eh, doesn't, right. that's not my problem. There, and it was also so interesting, fun fact as well the the reason that Tokar and Reza, Reza, Reza are, Tok, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so originally they wanted to use Bebop and Rocksteady in yes. the film, but apparently Kevin and Peter, again, close friends, um, uh, for legal reasons, not really, but I'm still going to keep making the joke. Um, the, apparently, they didn't want them using. I couldn't find information uh, on why that was the case, but that's basically why Toka and Razar um, appear in the film. Yeah, all I saw for that was like they just said that, that it was due to them objecting. Right. I guess because the first one was like an independent film, so they were able probably to keep a lot more like creative control over the movie. Versus like so, so many other times you hear of like, yeah, they just like sold the rights off and the studio just does whatever with it. And a lot of time they'll be like, ah, oh, you know, they're going a different direction, which is a nice way of saying like, I hate what they're doing, but I have no legal recourse. And it, so it's cool that like these guys still had valuable creative control over their own products. Right. I would agree. Uh, another great line. <laughs> Um, was when the turtles go to rescue Raphael yes. and they're, they're like they're getting trapped, and then Splinter shows up uh, and shoots the arrow that releases the net that they're trapped in. Uh, and maybe it was Mikey or something says uh, he refers to it as mutual Splinter insurance. <laughs> oh yeah, it's mutual mutual Splinter insurance. Uh, yeah, of New York or something. I yes, that was a weird one. There's another line in that same sequence though that I love, which is they're like that was easy. Yeah, a little too easy. And then they see Raph, and it's like, that's Raph. Yeah, a little too Raph. <gasps> Look, huh? it's Raph. Oh, yeah, a little too Raph. <laughs> also, so so going back to, to Kino, Kino, because he is a, a youth with martial arts skills, so that makes him valuable in this instance, and he offers to be a spy, but he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. 
Or no, no, he wants to do it. He offers to be a spy, but the turtles are like, no, no, we're not going to let you do that. That's way too dangerous. And then he and Raphael do it anyway. Yep. And it ends up not really having, like, it's a, at least that scene we were talking about where, where Raphael gets captured and the turtles go and save him and, and Splinter comes and save saves all of them. And it's kind of a a pointless sequence. I mean, I guess they they fight Toka and Razark, and that leads to like I guess they they know they they save the the professor, which that that guy that they were like dress him as a dweeb, dress him as dweeby as you He's can. Like Bill Nye the science guy, basically. Yeah, put this guy in some uh, in some bow ties and probably suspenders, and just throw him to the wolves. <laughs> the um... Yeah, no, I, and I, I think it was. Um, I, I mean, the, the scene, the, the 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 plot in in this case of of Ralph and and uh, Kino uh, infiltrating the the foot did move the plot forward. Um, but I liked in the um, I don't know what you want to call it the testing phase, the tournament or whatever to to choose new foot soldiers. I mean, Kino's kicking everyone's butt, and then um, the his final test is to like remove these bells from a from a, a mannequin, but he has to be completely silent when he does it. And I'm assuming that they didn't have forewarning that this was going to be the test. So uh, when they dropped the smoke bomb and just to be clear for the, for the audience to paint a picture, Ralph is, is hanging out in the background, like hiding, watching this unfold. Um, presumably Kino doesn't know that Ralph is about to do, is going to do what he's about to do. So when the smoke bomb goes off, Ralph comes and like helps him remove all the bells and like puts it in his hands. But I would, I would think realistically that they would like collide into each other because there was no communication on participating in this activity. Well, no, no, he's just that good of a ninja though. I suppose so. They are masters of the ninja arts. And if they, like, if they ever speak out of line, they have to give you 10 flips. It's just 10. It's just 10. I mean, for an incredibly skilled ninja, it seems like not that much. Yeah. I do I do love that that's their punishment. I got to I got to give it up that these costumes look amazing. They really they still look amazing. They really honestly do. And the way the mouths move, it's it is like the why why are we doing CGI if we have this technology? If we can do right. this, why are we still doing CGI? Put more aliens that the, the henson workshop can work on because that's who did this because this movie opens with in memory of jim henson yeah which, i went on when i saw that oh. yeah oh, yeah i, I agree because I, I mean like by today's standards like you could still use those partially animatronic suits and maybe with some light cgi for you know like they cgi spider-man's mask now so what? i mean like there there could be yeah what uh, no no that's just like it's it's how he it's how he works it's how his suit works yeah, his eyes just move um, like eyebrows, basically. Yeah, <laughs> Which even in the comic, I mean, it works for comic books because it's like a a, a visual thing, um, but it's kind of funny when it's live action. Anyway, this yeah. isn't about Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the animatronics don't get utilized enough these days. Uh, I'm by no means an expert, so someone correct me if I'm wrong. But I really feel like they could get away with those types of suits today. I mean, I, I can see how... Like they still look a little cheesy, a bit dated, but for the time in that film, like they they're very expressive. Um, like the turtles feel like real characters, um, and I, I wish they would bring that back. I was just very surprised at how good they looked. Uh, not that, I, and I knew 
that even like from the original movie, which obviously we talked about like the guy you can see his eyes in the in the back of his gaping maw, which is pretty terrifying. But even like in this, it was just it was, they were so good, and it was just really really impressive. I don't know that I thought they were ever bad. Just I never I hadn't thought about them. Like I thought maybe the mouths were a little bit more flappy. Like it would look like a guy like kind of puppeting his way through it. But the mouths mm-hmm. moved convincingly, right. too convincingly. It was terrifying. I thought the turtles were real. <laughs> Did you ever see the, the 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 reboot films, the duology? I really just put duology in the yeah. The I noticed you did. That was Ron say the duology. <laughs> the the Michael Bay ones. Yeah. No, have you watched either of them? I have not. Um, I know when you and I were both in the church of Stephen Amell for a little while there, like that was a tempting reason to check them out, but uh, I still couldn't pull the trigger on it. Yeah, same. And I love that you just dropped the church of Stephen Amell onto our listeners with no explanation. And I'm not going to give one either. I'm uh, just yeah, no, no. no. Um, that is now the, in the, the Nick and David canon. And you just have to all speculate at what that means. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yes, I also we'll, we'll slowly um, feed like information about what the Church of Stephen Amell is. Yeah, and, and the different the different tenets of it. <laughs> uh, anyway, I also had the same feeling. I remember because yeah, that was at 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 kind of the height of that for us, where it was like, oh shoot, he's going to be Casey Jones. Like that's rad. I I like Casey Jones. Also, Casey Jones was not in this movie. And I, I like thought it was like neat that he was going to be Casey Jones, but same. I just couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger on it. And I'm not, I'm not like a, a hater on movies. Like I will give movies a chance, even bad movies. I don't go into movies like wanting to dislike them, unless it's part of like a franchise. Like if I were to watch the last Transformers movie, I'd be like, I know kind of the track record of these. But they're fun for a reason if you can just like enjoy the giant robots hitting one another or whatever. So right. I, there was, I didn't have like a bias of like, well, it's a Michael Bay film. No way I'm going to see that. It just nothing about anything in the, the promotional era caught me. And yeah, the, the turtles didn't look great. I, it wasn't the best look for them. And I never loved the idea of them being giant cgi monsters i understand like they're mutants but they're they've always been shown as like human size and so for them all to be like impossibly built like so huge in all terms of dimensions was just like i think there's just like a part in the visual recognition of it's like well that's not the turtles just because that's not just like that's not the visual language of the turtles right it's true um there, there was a scene where Donatello rubs uh, his his bow staff, I think it's called, with a with a, like a um, chalk, like you would rub on a pool, a pool cue. I mean, yeah, and then he basically never uses it yeah. after that. <laughs> it, it's it's when they're fighting. That's when they're fighting Toka and Razor for the first time, and yeah, he does that, and you think like, oh, he's gonna try to jab the guy with it, but he just like goes and they all try to kick him, and then like get knocked over instantly, and. Toka and Razor looked fine, but they looked like with how everything else looked pretty good, they were like so cartoony that it was almost a little bit kind of distracting at times because they were so different. I understand they're supposed to be like the monsters, and it's adorable that they're babies, whatever. They're babies! Uh, but it was just a little bit like, oh man, that, that's so different from everything else that we've seen. Right. That was pretty funny how they're... Uh... 
they see Shredder is like Shredder as a villain. I mean, despite his his ferocity and and, and all of and intimidation and all that, he's he's a pretty goofy villain. And I I like that in this film that like he's he, he keeps trying to put on a serious demeanor, but then the 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 movie like keeps throwing sort of goofy or silly things at him that he has to address in some way. Like they're babies. They're babies. They Shredder like as an actual villain in the comics and stuff is pretty cutthroat. And here obviously like you can't do that. And so you have to make the foot as as ridiculous as possible. Uh in man, those costumes just do not translate well to live action. Foot costumes with like that bug eyes. Yes, stuff. the the compound eyes that are just like stuck on their face. I don't. I think the reason only one person could fight at a time is because nobody else could see what was happening. <laughs> it's true. They would be uh, they'd be a danger to each other. Right, like you when you think of some other like terrorist organizations or whatever, like or you know you get the bad guys. Like you don't want to work for the Joker. Like it's not a good idea. He's gonna like murder you at the. the if he's bored or whatever, but like Shredder actually seems like a pretty legit villain to work for. Yeah, he might yell at you like a cranky boss would, but otherwise, you know, you're you're more or less like you're you're scolded and then go back to being a useless ninja. <laughs> and Shredder is uh is pretty cranky. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, the dude is wearing a giant spiky metal helmet. Yes. Fast forwarding real quick, and then we'll bounce back around. But in the ending, after he spoilers when he gets. He he, the, the movie says that he ingests the ooze, um, and he turns into like Super Shredder, like this giant guy. But I don't know how ingesting the ooze caused his armor to yes. to grow and his spikes to get more spikier. Well, it's because his body heated up, so that like expanded the metal, so it made it easy for him to, uh, you know, re- reshape the the costume. That all in seconds yeah i know this is the the end here but we'll like we're already here so we'll talk about it that sequence is so bizarre to me because the turtles do nothing the turtles just run away from him as he is like starting to smash all of the pillars and eventually like brings down the pier onto himself and that's it like that's the entirety of that sequence it's just so weird to me they don't like he doesn't they don't fight him or anything Right. I, I also like that, you know, he, he lived in a trash heap for X number of amount of time or whatever. Um, and, but, and, but while being basically a super mutant, he got taken out by a bunch of wood. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they showed his arm do like the Ugh, thing and like collapse down, which, because, you know, he's a human. So the, the super mutagen is going to destroy his heart, I guess, but it doesn't, doesn't hurt you if you're an animal. Now Shredder has high cholesterol. <laughs> like, you should really stop drinking ooze. I would have loved to have just like made him like hyper intelligent because it made the turtles as intelligent as a person. Which also did, did it imply that the turtles are fifteen years old? They because they say something happened fifteen years prior. So yes, that doesn't seem very old. I mean, they are teenage mutant ninja turtles, and a fifteen year old is a teenager. I know. Which yeah. they're trained just from birth. Okay. All right. You're right. I'm wrong. Jeez. Let's talk vanilla ice. Well, first off, the 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 climax. So prior to vanilla ice showing up, they they meet. They're they're forced to meet in a warehouse. 
Um, but they have a plan to like yeah. turn Tokar okay. and Rage. So what was back. the? I I must have like phased out for a second. What was the arrangement there? They were going to go there and get murdered. Okay, sure, cool. So well, nothing. Actually, you're right. Now I can't remember why they 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 were forced to go because Shredder was going to do something. Also, I think April O'Neil just like disappears from the second half of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but now I can't. Yeah, I can't. Kino wasn't kidnapped. I really don't know why they had to go. <laughs> um, oh, but they still hatch a plan where they, 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 the, the scientist helps the turtles create like a thing that will, an antidote or whatever, they'll turn Tokar and Razor back into regular animals. So they try <laughs> the ritual <laughs> donut gift or whatever it was. I'm totally butchering it. Yeah, they, they, uh, put it in, they put them in donuts. And feed them donuts. And then um, Tokar realizes, uh, that, which, which is also like, I mean, yeah, like they're babies, but like they're intelligent sort of, you know, and they're mutants or whatever, but they had no reason. Like they don't necessarily know what a donut is. So the fact that they're eating it, like even if they feel something weird, like the whatever little candy or something that's in there that has the, the antidote in it, they wouldn't, they should, why would they be suspicious? Well, Other than the- it's, it's because like, it's like, it's like how animals, like you give a dog a pill and some cheese and the dog will like somehow eat around it and it's, it's true. It's true. I haven't had a dog in a long time. Um, but also just the fact that, like, again, Shredder, very polite villain. Like, if you have to have an arch nemesis, you should want Shredder because he's got his whole foot clan there. He's got two mutants ready to, to fight for their mom, quote unquote. Um, and he, like, just waits for the turtles to give his, his, his team donuts, basically. And then thinks it's totally fine so the donuts don't work because they the they find the the capsules that will have the cure for them so they get into a tussle and then break through a wall of this like under construction warehouse and end up in the middle of a really happening nightclub where mc hammer just happens to be performing at which case they interrupt the show but nobody like nobody leaves the venue everybody stays and right. and just like kind of watches things unfold, and then you have MC, uh, MC, wow, not MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice up on stage, who decides then of like, oh, I'm going to make a song right now, entirely <laughs> impromptu, to encourage these guys. Right, like, I, I, I never. It never occurred to me to realize that like he came up with a hip happening song on the spot as the venue was basically being torn apart. And I guess, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but it's catchy as hell. Oh yeah, I guess I did lie of like when I said I didn't really have a lot of memories of the movie because this one d- does stick out. Of I mean, everybody knows the ninja rap. And yeah, it's a banger. It's still it's still great all these years later. Yeah. In that way that we can recognize it is total garbage. It's you know, there are bad things that are good, and this is this is one of them. And just I, I mean, just just the fact that like I think in many ways, this movie is what the musical wanted to be. I haven't been subjected to the musical yet, but I did listen to the episode. You're welcome, Phil Rude. Um, and so I, I at least have a bit of an understanding of it. And like, it's not like it, 
it it wanted to be this film. I mean, if it if it had Toka and Rezar and and some of the really ridiculous. I mean, it's the whole thing's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's painfully ridiculous. But if it had been a stage adaptation of this movie with songs thrown in, it probably would have been better easily. Like, oh, could you imagine the the Shredder song of "I'll I'll Be Your Mama," and it's just like this super serious. Be your mama. Yeah, it's that's and, that, that's my shredder impersonation. Well, that's that's the reprise of of their babies. Their babies. His first song. <laughs> uh, rewind just a little bit. I also like that when they're concocting the 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 capsule, the antidote, or whatever for Toka and Razor. Um, that Mikey drops some pizza cheese or whatever into the vial, and his response is just to be like, "Oops," and yeah. walks away. Despite the fact that this could have serious ramifications for like their their stated goals, of, doesn't doesn't affect the uh, chemical balance at all. It turns out, <laughs> yeah, cheese cheese did not uh, does not have chemical or yeah like a uh, also value. I, I like that the scientist guy. Um, uh, it is established early on as like you know he's. It sounds like he's been part of the the tech company that created the ooze initially. Like he was part of the cover up. Like he knows what's going on. So like in real world terms, this guy is a scumbag, and you know. But they make him kind of like a goofy, sympathetic character as the movie goes on. Well, yeah. So there's TGRI, which is the company that had been just dumping this ooze that created the turtles and now they're like years later trying to clean it up and that introduces the the professor character and there's one canister that doesn't get they they have a way of disposing of it now which is just him putting the canister on a machine and then hitting a button and the the liquid drains out and it's like okay it's been disposed of great but where does it go yeah that that's that was my main question but then one canister doesn't get disposed of properly so that's what leads to the whole like because of the Foot Clan steal it, so that's what leads to Token Razor being made and, and Super Shredder and stuff like that. But the guy says, like, well, since one didn't get properly disposed of, they're basically going to purge the site where the disposal was happening, and there will be no records of it. And at the end, there's a news report that's like, TGRI disappeared overnight. A major conglomerate with shareholders just appear, disappears overnight, like... yeah. It, but maybe he does leave a nice note for the turtles that they're they're real cool dudes. What what a great guy! What a great guy! But that yeah, you're right. That idea that like the shareholders the next day like you never had stock in this company. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like all the people who had jobs, like the janitor there, who just all of a right. sudden right can't go to work. <laughs> Yeah, listen, guys, there's this whole conspiracy we're trying to avoid. So just uh, you're laid off, you know, collect unemployment. But, um, yeah, there's no like. Send you a good reference. You So none of the, they don't know where any of the employees are, where like the board is, the people, like their bank accounts. All of this is just vanished. Right. <laughs> I didn't think about it this hard when I was watching the movie. But right. now I've got this is just unraveling the whole thing for me. Uh, the the New York um, wow I can't think of the the better the, the better business bureau I don't better, know. better business bureau for sure <laughs> they're the heroes of the of the the never released real third film um, 
I would. I mean, hey man, if you wanna if you wanna pitch a movie to me right now where the turtles take on the U.S. government, <laughs> turtles I'm, versus the U.S. government, I'm the listening. Teenage Mutant Better Business Bureau, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Better Business Bureau, we can get there. It, it kind of works. There's there's actually I should mention this. Uh, there's a really great Twitter account that I follow. And oh shoot, I'm I'm looking up the name of it right now. But what it does is it's basically it's a it's a bot that scans Wikipedia articles for ones that have the same syllables as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it'll fit into the like saying it that way. So it's it's uh at wiki underscore TMNT or TMNT Wikipedia titles. So let me just read you a couple. It releases one like every hour. So uh, you have Plimpton Station, Nova Scotia, or Christian August Frederick Peters. All it is is it just it's these great things. Simon Ellis, film director, and they all work. It's it's a great thing to just I forget about it, and just every once in a while it pops up on my feed, and I'll just be like Gaston County Sheriff's Office. So that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. That's that's something that you out there can all all go follow to get your TMNT fix when you need it. Nick, is there anything else as we're just wiping down, wiping down? <laughs> is there anything else as we're winding down that we didn't talk about that you want to mention or, or comes to mind? No, I mean, not really. There's there's just it. I, it's such a bizarre film, and like I think. It's interesting because it feels like, um, you know, okay, this is a film that's where we're really gearing this towards children. Um, so that you can't use a weapon and stuff like that. It somehow found a way to still be charming and endearing, though totally ridiculous, while sort of working around the, I guess, executive mandate of, of not being able to do certain things. And sometimes that can make something a piece of crap and other times it can make it a, a total gym, which this film may or may not be, which we'll find out when I do get my impression, final impression. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's such a, also, I think it's funny. Sorry. Uh, I was pushing my thought, my thought gears a second, but it feels like, like the suspension of disbelief. Like this is a film where from the get go, we're talking about teenage mutant Ninja turtles. But then there are just things that we cannot accept. Like, why is there an underground club operating right next to um, a construction? construction yeah, construction. Snella Ice performing. That's too much. But talking turtles that love pizza, um, I'm there for it. Well, yeah, that, see, that part's all perfectly logically sound. You're right. I mean, the whole premise of it is so ridiculous. But I think there's just some stuff where there's not even an effort to make it feel like the real world sometimes. Hmm. I don't know. I don't really let it get in my way that much. It's just just fun to talk about them in exaggerated terms here on the show. Right. We'll get to our final thoughts here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, we asked you to tell us where you first knew the Turtles from on Facebook and Twitter. And here's what we found out. We put polls out, and it was a tie between the movies and the comics for second place, which each had about a dozen votes. But the cartoons won by a landslide with over 100 votes. Most people seem to know the Turtles from that 1987 cartoon. But a couple other people had some different responses as well. Before we read those, Nick, for you, what was the first uh, exposure, as you remember? Um, 
I honestly don't remember. It was either the, the the first movie, or honestly, maybe I saw this one first. It was either one of the movies, or it was the cartoon. It's 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 so close together at this point that it I can't I can't really remember. Yeah, I remember the cartoon better from being a kid because I there's a lot more of it and I watched it a lot. But I think I'm the same as you, where I can't remember. Did my parents for some reason show me this movie, or did I just discover the cartoon while that was on? Mm-hmm. But we had some responses from other people who didn't quite line up with those three choices. And uh, here's what a few of you had to say. For example, Kelly Beach said uh, that they were introduced through the merchandise of the Ninja Turtles. Which makes sense. I mean, you're a kid in the toy aisle walking down and you see a humanoid turtle action figure. Why not? Yeah, that's, that's an exposure. That's an introduction right there. Stephen Barnard said, technically the first movie was my first ninja exposure as the cartoons were Hero Turtles in the UK. I included that because I had no idea. The Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles or just Hero Turtles? I think they were just Hero Turtles. Which feels like something you... When it's like in a different language and you kind of translate it directly. Actually, yeah, I I agree. But actually our next response uh, clears up which one it is. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Daryl Shaler also had a UK perspective. Uh, he said the cartoon, it led me down an interesting rabbit hole or turtle hole. Come on, uh, let's, let's be clear, Daryl, uh, that, that went through their Ninja Turtles in America to, wow, these comics are more violent than I expected. In the UK, we got the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Okay, so I was right. And a lot of things I'd assumed were cheap animation mistakes were actually cheap cuts of violence. I love that, and I kind of want to uh, to see if there's any of that out there to see what the UK version was like. Did the turtles just with like with the foot show up, and they would be like, "Ah, there's the the foot," and the then it would smash cut to the foot being defeated and the turtles just standing victorious. Could be. Also, did they re redub their voices and all with British accents? I doubt they would take that effort, but I I, I want to know now. And last up. Steve Jedinak said the RPG, then cartoons, then comics and movies around the same time, but the RPG about at least a year before I saw the cartoon. There were some other great comments as well, just people sharing some memories about the cartoon or the movies or the ways they first experienced. And someone shared a a neat story about they when they were studying martial arts themselves and knew somebody who was going up for the movie. And that was kind of their exposure if you want to find out and be part of that conversation, though, you can do so by following us on Facebook and Twitter. Hit me one more pod is our usernames there. Now we come to our moment of reflection where we put this whole thing to the question of, if is this good? Does this stay in the Hall of Memory or is it worth visiting today? Since I brought it here, I'll start us off. I was amused. There were things that I were amused. I was amused by. Maybe if I was sharing this with some friends, I would have a good time watching it and kind of laughing about it. And I enjoyed talking about it with Nick, obviously. But it's not a movie that I think I'm going to be sitting down and watching again anytime soon, unless my kids go through a big turtle phase. In which your case, hypothetical kids. Yeah, my hypothetical. Well, those are your hypothetical kids. I don't have any kids, hypothetical or otherwise, yet. But sure, in this situation, my hypothetical kids. And if they go through that turtle phase and they want to watch this, yeah, I'll watch it with them. But um, it was cheesy and corny and a couple of decent jokes, but maybe not really worth your time if you've got 
other stuff that's more pressing. If you do, if you done everything else, watch every other thing on your watch list that you want to watch, and you still got time. Sure, watch some turtles. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. Like in terms of, does it stay in the hall of memories? Uh, like, is it good? No. <laughs> is it amazing? Yes. Uh, <laughs> which sure. is a cop out, right? Like, it's I, I can't say it's worth revisiting today. Uh, unless you have nostalgia for it. And even if you have nostalgia for it, like, which it sounds like we did. Um, I mean, I, I was watching it with a friend actually. And I mean, we were more or less like making fun of it and ripping it apart the whole time. And st- like, but it, we're, we were, while we were being critical, like I still, at the very least, I won't speak for my friend, like felt very endeared towards the film. Um, so I think it's fun. I think it's it's it is probably is as David said like something to watch with friends, which I did. So proven. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think it's totally fine to stay in the halls of memory, or at the very least, show it to kids. Um, but as an adult, um, you know, I think you're fine going elsewhere. Yeah, it it was charming in its own ways at times, for sure but not necessarily in ways I think that it meant to be just kind of me like laughing, like shaking my head, laughing like, Oh, Oh, they made this movie. Somebody had to say those lines. Somebody had to do these things. That is what we think about it. We want to hear what you think. Of course, hit me one more time. Dot com slash contact to find all the ways to reach out to us. Of course, you mentioned our social medias either, and you can also email us. We want to hear from you. We would love to hear from you that is going to do it for us today nick thanks for watching this movie man (laughs) thanks for bringing it to the table where can people find you should you want to be found i don't mind being found and you can find me thus at palblam shazam underscore art on instagram uh, or on uh, at on what oh my gosh (laughs) on twitter at palblam shazam and if you want to find me, you can do so under the username Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Listening audience, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We do this show for you. We do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!